for great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts. The TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. The Steve Malzberg Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, folks, welcome aboard. Four minutes past the hour of 9 p.m. here on the East Coast of the United States on Wednesday night. Another week flying by, and you know what day and time it is wherever you are listening to or watching uh, the Steve Malzberg Show on TNT. So an 11-point victory last night for Donald Trump, as it turned out, and quite impressive with Republicans. Got over 70% of Republicans who voted. Uh, uh, the the uh, Nikki Haley's uh, total um, was uh, rich in independents. Uh, those who were not Republicans who wound up voting in New Hampshire, where you could you could do that, even though you're not a registered Republican. So that's that's the scenario that we have now with, of course, South Carolina in about three weeks uh, being the next uh, really big show, as uh, as Ed Sullivan might say, a really big shoe. Um, anyway, so uh, we have a couple of guests, hopefully, uh, tonight. And uh, But in the meantime, let's uh, get to some of what uh, was said by Donald Trump and uh, Nikki Haley after. Um, well, for Nikki Haley, it was like, it was it was about an hour before we it was about an hour after the polls closed or less. I think seven percent of the vote was in and she took to the stage and made it seem like she won, of course. But here's Donald Trump first and foremost. Here's cut 308. It was very interesting because I said, wow, what a great victory. But then somebody ran up to the stage all dressed up nicely <laughs> when it was at seven. But now I just walked up and it's at 14. She ran up when it was seven. And, you know, we have to do what's good for our party. And she was up and I said, wow, she's doing uh, like a speech like she won. She didn't win. She lost. And, you know, last last week we had a little bit of a problem. And if you remember, Ron was very upset because she ran up and she pretended she won Iowa. And I looked around, I said, didn't she come in third? Yeah, she came in third. All right, I want to hear one more. And I know that uh, Nan Hayworth, who's waiting on deck, is also listening. So let's, uh, let's play 309. We will head out to South Carolina, where I think we're going to win easily. I think we're 50 points up, 5-0. 5-0, 50 points up on a person that was governor. That tells you something. But I felt I should do this because... I find in life, you can't let people get away with bullshit, okay? You can't. You just can't do that. And when I watched her in the fancy dress that probably wasn't so fancy, come up, I said, what's she doing? We won. And she did the same thing last week, but he was much more angry about it than I was. I said, get up there and you let him know. We are going to win this. We have no choice if we don't win is finished i do i believe our country is finished well i'll say this uh if the democrats do win uh and never gain power in the senate and the house this country is totally finished uh joining us now is the aforementioned former congresswoman from the great state of new york republican nan hayworth who was on the advisory board uh, for trump 2020 congresswoman doctor welcome back uh always a pleasure to speak to you and mine great privilege to be with you thank you 
All right, so I saw you. Uh, I saw you shaking your head as <laughs> Trump referred to uh, to uh, Nikki Haley's dress, which uh, was fancy, but probably not that fancy, meaning probably not that expensive. Anyway, so it was an eleven point an eleven point victory uh, when all is said and done. Um, Trump Trump overwhelmingly won Republicans. She did well with independents. Where are we headed now? Should should Nikki Haley drop out or should she persevere? Uh, well, Steve, I think the likelihood is that she will uh, lose South Carolina. Uh, David Axelrod uh, yesterday evening was making the case, and I, I think not as a Democrat, but as uh, an astute observer of politics, that uh, Nikki Haley doesn't have uh, zero chance of possibly uh persisting or persevering until there's more of an opening, depending on how uh, the Justice uh, Department manages to persecute, and I do mean persecute, Donald Trump. Uh, But I don't, personally, I don't see her uh, being the choice of the Republican electorate. I do think there's a message for us in terms of independence, and I don't mean the uh, you know, Democrats who registered as independents so that they could uh, try to throw some grit in the wheels of uh, President Trump's candidacy, which, of course, did also take place uh, yesterday. Uh, but I, I think uh, we, we have to be mindful uh, of uh, what folks who aren't Republicans, but whom we do want to bring into that voting coalition, Uh, are concerned about what they're thinking about and what they'd like to see in a candidate for whom they could vote versus what the Democrats have to offer. Okay, so I I, I have said even before last night, although there were people I'd rather see as Trump's vice presidential uh, uh, selection, um, before this exchange last night where Haley attacked Trump, attracted again his his mental sharpness, and he obviously went after her big time, before that that exchange, um, I said, you know, maybe it would behoove Trump to think about Nancy Haley because of, she does polls so well against Biden head to head. She does yeah. have experience in gravitas. But but uh, you know and now now that they've gone through what they've gone through with each other and again the, the the positive that came out of last night for my theory not that it's my theory but my way of thinking is um the independence as you just says you just alluded to as well but do you think with what we saw last night that this uh you know just forget that that whole possibility is is now done and gone because there's such they seem to be such bitter rivals or she drops out she says i'm throwing my support to trump and he makes believe it never happened is that possible Absolutely. If if Governor DeSantis can <laughs> exit the race, uh, and I am a great admirer and fan of his, uh, I think he's, I, and I hope that he has a, a brilliant future in our party. We really do have an extraordinary bench. Uh, and sadly, only one can be our presidential nominee each term. Uh, be nice, maybe if we could even have a rotation or something like that. But in any case, um, you know, offer a team up. But uh, in any case, if he, <laughs> as Ron de Sanctimonious, uh, can uh, put his support behind President Trump and President Trump in turn 
can say, you know, I, I think very highly of uh, Ron and I'm very glad to have his endorsement. Having been in active political life, you know, I know, Steve, that people will uh, fight bitterly and then, you know, make peace with each other and move on together because that's what we have to do. So it wouldn't surprise me uh, if Nikki Haley became the vice presidential nominee. Uh, I think it is definitely within the realm of possibility. We have a lot of talents out there who would be great uh, VP choices, but, uh, no, I, I think she would be one of them. Why, um, why do you think she's staying in the race? I mean, I know you said a lot depends on what the DOJ does, how the trials go, but it's going to be a long time. Well, I, I mean, agree. she's going to, she's, that's, that, that's going to be a long, long time. And she's going to have to spend, and her people, her supporters are going to have to stick with her and spend a ton. I know they have it, but a ton of money. She's going to lose South Carolina, which is going to be embarrassing. And then yeah. I guess head to Super Tuesday. But I mean, is that her sole purpose? Like trying to, to wait out the justice system and see, I mean, even if he's in jail, he could still run. So oh, why, do you, why do you think, why do you think she's in it? He can be a convicted felon and still wrong. I think she perceives a lane. Uh, uh, most of us don't. And it would be one of those, you know what it's like, Steve, if, if uh, 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 the Swiss cheese theory, if a series of very tiny holes manage to line up, then maybe uh, she can make it. But it would start with a victory in South Carolina. And I think that's what she's counting on. She was a popular governor. She was a good governor. Uh, but this is a different, very different year. It's a different role. South Carolinians love President Trump for the presidency uh, for many reasons. And I think a lot of them will have a lot of trouble, uh, especially, of course, the South Carolina Republicans. But, you know, in South Carolina, it's a it's a red state. I think a lot of them will have a lot of trouble with her uh, attitude about uh, our spending on Ukraine, uh, with her attitude about uh, her capitulatory attitude toward wokeness uh, in various ways uh, that I think tends to sit in Republican craws really badly, tends to stick uh, in our craws, and, uh, and her attitude about censorship. And again, I'm a fan of Governor Haley. I think she was an outstanding U.S. ambassador to the United Nations. I think she'd be a terrific president. But these are things that when you're in a Republican primary in the year 2022 uh, can really trip you up. Yeah, uh, or the year 2024, for that matter. 2024, uh, <laughs> forgive me. Really That's okay. That's, maybe, That's I need, okay. maybe I need a cognitive test. <laughs> We're talking to former Congresswoman Dr. Nan Hayworth here on the uh, Steve Malsberg Show. Uh, let me ask you about, we. You, you know, usually you and I wind up having a conversation about abortion and the problem it presents for Republicans, and it's only because, in my view, they don't know how to address it. Again, Kamala's all over the country the, the yesterday with, with uh, Biden standing there saying in in no uncertain terms the late-term abortion any time up to birth it's good for us because the government has no business telling a woman what to do with the body she doesn't say the first part but it's implied because she says the second part but i don't want to talk about that now let's talk about immigration for a second i was a little yeah. taken aback that two conservative supreme court justices gave the go-ahead for 
um, or ordered that Texas take down the barbed wired fences uh, so the Border Patrol agents could do their job or whatever in a five to four vote. Having said that, Governor Abbott has now said, we're not doing it. We're building more, taking a page away from Biden on student loans and the the college application. They're going to keep doing it in a different way. And the New York City gun permit carry, they're going to just make it harder. They won't do it that way, but they'll make it harder. Um, But but Abbott is claiming and I don't know the legalese involved. He's claiming that the state has a right. His state has a right because Biden is putting his state in danger. Biden is negligent. Biden is letting an invasion of, of foreigners come into his state. So um, how do you see this playing out? And again, in both of the primaries that we saw so far, the caucuses and the primaries, immigration yesterday especially topped the economy. Right. That's how that's how you knew it was going to be a great day for President Trump, uh, especially and you know, considering the composition of the New Hampshire electorate, the primary electorate, given, you know, the, the great number of independents and, of course, of, of Democrats who changed the registration three months earlier so that they could vote in this Republican right. primary as non-affiliated. Uh, you, it, you know, President Trump had a heck of a, a good day there. And immigration is the border security is is the issue of the age. Um, I, I know your listeners have, have seen it, you know, the, the clip of the uh, tall man who apparently is from a Middle Eastern country who had just crossed over the border and said, you'll know who I am soon enough. Yep, yep, yep. A threat looks, of terror. It's kind of like Osama bin Laden, except I know bin Laden's dead. But, you know, it's like what I, I so I I think I understand why the justices voted as they did, why the five of them did, and, and particularly why uh, Coney Barrett and uh, and Roberts did, because the federal government does have superseding authority over state governments when it comes to the border. That's the Constitution, whether you like it or not. But I am also entirely sympathetic to the position that says, Right now, we have an invasion of this country going on, uh, and the Biden administration that is supposed to uh, be responsible for this is derelict in its duties, and therefore the state of Texas uh, has to protect itself. And I'm pretty certain that's why my favorite four justices voted as they did, especially my favorite three, Gorsuch, Thomas, and Alito. Uh, And and those are the ones, frankly, to whom I look for the most definitive answers on constitutionality. So if they said uh, if if they if they didn't go along with the Biden administration's argument, uh, I think, you know, we can safely say uh, that, you know, this is uh, the state of Texas is, uh, you know, doing the right thing in in all respects. But. You know, the court is the court. It came down to five four decision. More litigation is coming, obviously. Yeah, more litigation. And we got the uh, the Supreme Court still has to weigh in on the ballots and uh, Trump and everything else. And Trump, a couple of appeals by Trump uh, related to his court cases. I mean, and, you know, here we are. January's almost cross it off the calendar and we're moving closer to November. One more. And 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 this is just I, mean, I don't know all the details, but it seems that the Republicans have proof that um, the January 6th committee. And I'm going to talk more about this with uh, Congressman 
Bob Good, the uh, chairman um, uh, of the um, of the uh, House Freedom Caucus, uh, right after the break. Um, they have proof that the House uh, January sixth committee encrypted and had therefore in effect erased. Um, but there's a key that could un unencrypt it. Uh, documents, information, evidence that would have uh, greatly changed the scenario uh, as it relates to Donald Trump and January 6th, uh, but they didn't want anybody to see that evidence. If that's the case, if that turns out to be the case and they, that, ever, that evidence ever comes to light and this is proven, how done are we? I mean, how, you know, the FBI, the Justice Department, I mean, Department of Education, we know what's going on in this country with targeting people and, and double standards. But if the January 6th committee did this, I mean, wow, then what can't someone do? I, I feel as though they should be prosecuted for treason if that's what they did. I It's just, I mean, it, it certainly... Uh, it, it, I wouldn't be surprised if they did something like that because this was, I've always called it the kangaroo committee. I'm not alone in that, obviously. Um, it, they were trying to railroad uh, the American public into uh, finding that uh, Donald Trump uh, it, it literally tried to foment an insurrection. Uh, which is not a defensible position, but it's an excellent political position for them. Everything the Democrat Party does, they're the house in the casino. They're the party of government. Everything they do is designed to increase the power of government. Uh, and while Republicans have their, their failings, and we do have big government Republicans among us, <laughs> I know there are some in New Hampshire, apparently, but uh, you know we have big government Republicans among us. Uh, the the thrust of our party is to literally to put power back in the hands of the individual citizen in a in a much more tangible way. And we have, uh, as is becoming painfully clear, uh, a, a mass uh, of elites. Every institution in our country in our culture has now been captured by authoritarians who project every scheme, every dereliction, every malefaction of their own onto their adversaries and opponents, onto those who uh, dare to tell the truth. Absolutely, and whatever they accuse, I'm sorry, I was gonna say what, whatever they accuse the Republicans and Trump and MAGA people of doing and wanting, it's what they want and what they are doing. It happens time after time after time. They're very well versed in how to do this and what to do and how to manipulate. When you have a willing media, it's a lot easier. Uh, but still, I always come back, uh, Congresswoman, and I think you and I agree to an extent, the Republicans just stink at getting the message out on so many things. They should just make commercials. I when I say they, I don't know who, you know better than me who, they should make commercials of Kamala just saying the government has no, and, and then play it and say, abortion till nine months, is this how America feels? No, Take advantage, right. make a yeah. point. They don't, they don't um, do it. I think, I, yeah, I mean, I, I do agree that our message doesn't get out as forcefully as it should. 
Um, I certainly know from having been in active Republican politics that there is no dearth of uh, speaking out on the part of Republicans. We do it all the time. But it's what gets carried and it's what people are willing to open their ears and listen to. Do we lose a lot of women and suburban women and suburbanites on the issue, particularly of abortion? We do. Because they just go like this. I'm not. I'm not listening. Um, and I know we've talked about it. Um, and I, I fully respect your point of view and your heart, Steve. Um, and most Americans, yes, consider abortion uh, past the point of viability, especially in this era of miracles. Abortion of a healthy fetus that's viable—that's barbaric. And I fully agree with that. Um, but I think that. Republicans first, probably, if they really want to have a conversation with independents, suburbanites, things like that, they have to say, look, and, and to Nikki Haley's credit, she's done that. And President Trump has actually been more liberal, if you will, about abortion policy. Yeah. Uh, and, and I respect and I respect your point of view uh, on it I, as well. And, you know, I sometimes I throw abortion. I'm just no, 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 know, no, 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 no. I don't imply that i think i think i think i'm acquiescing more to you that let's take what we could get and if what we could get it it, it, it is the majority of the country also believes that they believe like like for instance you know 26 whatever it is or state by state it's not nobody i don't think anybody in the republican party a few exceptions but there's no grassroots movement to ban abortion on a nationwide basis i mean it's i mean there are some people but that's never gonna that's never gonna happen there is that it's there are big presence in the republican party and um, i know a lot of really wonderful people who are the sort of folks you would cherish who who feel very much that way um and they have strong reasons for feeling that way and i respect no i it. agree but i, I, I agree is, but yeah. my argument is this steve i think we would succeed if we did a couple of things one is say we are with you um pro-life movement and the way to do this is not to interpose government but to win hearts and minds advocacy pregnancy supports. They don't have to be government-based pregnancy supports, nor should we ask taxpayers to fund abortions. You know, that's that's something that I think Republicans uh, could agree on. It's like, look, reasonable people can say taxpayers shouldn't have to pay for this, but we will not prevent uh, folks who want to contribute to a place like Planned Parenthood from doing so. What we will say is that this is a social wrong that we hope to right among right. hearts and minds. And we are going to help fund pregnancy help centers, supports for women and children, uh, you know, supports for young families in need. And we will help do it on a private basis. And I think if Republicans show conviction in that way, um, you know, I I was a pro-life uh, member of Congress and I did not say that government should get between a woman and her doctor. But I did say that, uh, you know, Planned Parenthood should not be getting taxpayer funding. And I voted that way. And I do it again. Right, but, 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 but when you say you didn't say a, a doctor, sh uh, the government should get between a woman and her doctor, you also right. didn't favor uh, allowing this to take place right before birth, the abortion. No, I mean, you didn't. No, right. No, of course. No, of course. But that's no. that's what but the again, left has now. Again, and we have to capitalize on that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But as as we've talked about before, 
it's the rare doctor, at least in my generation, and I'm pretty sure Gen X as well, it is the rare doctor who would be willing to do that. I mean, it doesn't happen because, you know, they. Okay, they let me just let me let me just say what they say. They say it's less than one percent based on the number of abortions in this country. If it if it were one percent, that's nine thousand. They want to take my think- gun away. They want they want to take our guns away because less than three thousand kids a year are killed with guns. But oh, nine thousand late term abortions to them is oh only one percent. You know what? I just- I think it's I think it's probably many, many less than that. It should be zero, Steve. I'm not going to say it shouldn't be at all, but I think it's many, 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 many less than that. I, there's just you, you won't find uh, reputable doctors who would ever well, do something like that. Unfortunately, they're probably you know better than me because you're a doctor, but there are probably a lot of unreputable uh, doctors. First Listen. Off- great- conversation i always appreciate you coming on thank you so much i know you're really busy now and uh we'll talk again and thank you uh congresswoman former congresswoman nan hayworth dr md and um stay well steve you too look forward to next time thank you thank you bye-bye all right folks uh we are going to take a break and we are going to come back and uh continue Right here, lots to get to on the Steve Malsberg Show on TNT. Sometimes a car comes along that changes everything with innovations never thought possible and features that make you wonder, how did people survive without this? This is that time and this is that car. This is the world's first VWB. Equipped with transparent doors to eliminate reasonable suspicion, whatever that means. A 10 and 2 steering wheel that keeps hands visible at all times. We remove the glove box so there's no confusion about what the driver is reaching for. With a touch of a button, the ultrasonic biometric scanner displays the license and registration of the driver to ensure contactless exchange of information. With no trunk, nothing can be concealed, so therefore, there is nothing to search and seize. To ensure you will never be mistaken for breaking the speed limit, we've installed limited edition airless tires, and we remove the engine because, honestly, why risk it? DWB, the first vehicle of its kind, where the safety feature is the car itself. Stacy, I'm 57, and I was adopted in 2020. We were adopted in 2019. And we were adopted in 2021. We had a house, um, and it sounds crazy, but it wasn't a home. The one thing that Jake and Emma brought is it became a home. When I met Dakota, he had just turned 14. You weren't there for the first this and the first that. I missed the first words, but we got a lot of other firsts. Watching her say, oh my God, I cannot believe I got my license. And she's like, I passed. And I'm like, girl. (laughs) See them grow. It is. They chose to love us. They didn't have to. They chose us. Family. 
you, and you. Kids in the middle. What I thought was a complete life was nowhere near complete, but it is now. Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. So many people who had no history of heart illnesses have got it now, or blood clotting after the COVID-19 vaccination. Punish those who hurt people with COVID madness. Lighting the fuse for freedom. TNT Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I welcome you back, and I am so uh, honored to welcome in to the show for the first time Congressman Bob Good. He is the uh, Republican from the uh, 5th Congressional District in the state of Virginia, and he is chairman of the House Freedom Caucus. Hello, Congressman. Welcome aboard, sir. Good to be, great to be with you, Steve. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for taking the time. I know things are, are very, very busy for you and, and everyone who's uh, who's in Washington these days. Let me first ask you, I know, I believe that originally you were a DeSantis uh, person. Um, of course, uh, the, the governor dropped out after the Iowa caucuses. What's your take on what happened yesterday and um, where we are right now and what that uh, what, what that uh, ticket might look like? Uh, Nikki Haley has no path to victory. Frankly, she shouldn't be the Republican nominee. I, don't, I think she was one of the worst candidates in the field. She needs to drop out. Time to rally behind President Trump and make sure everyone is doing everything we can to ensure he wins, ensure we defeat Joe Biden is now. And certainly I call on her to drop out and support President Trump. You think there's any shot? Because a lot of people have speculated. I know last night it got pretty heated between the two of them in the respective speeches. But do you believe that there's any any uh, way that uh, Donald Trump selects her uh, as his VP? She did well with independence. Um, Trump, of course, overwhelmingly took the Republicans in the primary yesterday. But her her appeal to maybe middle of the rotors, independence, uh, would that uh, would that be acceptable to uh, to you if he picked uh, 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 Nikki Haley? I think Nikki Haley represents a return to the past Republican failures. Uh, I think that would be a big mistake. I, I, I don't expect that he would do that. I certainly don't know, but I don't expect that he would do that. Uh, my, my thought is perhaps as she sees the, the newest polls as they come out soon, uh, expectedly with South Carolina, she sees how far behind she is of President Trump, that she'll want to avoid embarrassment in her home state and that she'll drop out. Certainly hope that she does. The sooner we get behind President Trump and stop having to waste resources on this nomination, which is imminent uh, for President Trump, the better. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, uh, too, that she would want to drop out of the race because she's going to get killed by all indications in her own home state. And that doesn't bode well for her future political uh, career. Let me let me talk about someone who doesn't have a political career right now, but did. And you're familiar with the name Kevin McCarthy. And um, the former Speaker of the House uh, was on a Fox uh, the other day, yesterday, and he had some uh, unkind words for the Freedom Caucus. Let's listen together, and then I'd love to get your response to it. Here is uh, 310. You really should be asking the Freedom Caucus. They are the ones who have stopped the Republicans from being able to govern. So what they are doing is they're locking in the Democratic policies. They're actually spending more money now than if we'd go to um, the debt ceiling numbers. That would mean government would spend less. We could put Republican policies in, uh, but they continue to stymie this majority to be able to do anything. And it, it really comes down to what's a true conservative. And I, I look to Ronald Reagan. A conservative is one that can actually govern in a conservative way. But what you're finding now is th what they're doing is doing nothing, but it locks in Democratic Pelosi policies. It locks in the others. 
You know, he also shocked me um, a, a, a few weeks ago, at, right after he left, he gave an interview where he basically, he actually said, and I'm paraphrasing, Congressman, but he actually said, wow, you look at the Democrats in Congress, they look like America, but you look at us, and we got so many, you know, white men, and I'm thinking, what am I hearing? Who, who's, who's saying this? That really threw me back for a loop. But what, what do you make of, of this uh, criticism of your caucus? And if you want to weigh in on what, what I just uh, explained, he said previously, feel free. Well, I don't think anybody would mistake Kevin McCarthy as an expert on what is a conservative. Uh, when he says Republicans can't govern, what he means it by governing is pretending that we're, quote, getting things done that we're governing by doing what the Democrats want to do. You know, he would still be speaker if he had just simply had kept his word. In order to become speaker, he agreed to cut spending back to pre-COVID levels. He didn't do that. He committed to bringing all 12 appropriation bills to the floor for a vote. He didn't do that. He committed to bringing a balanced budget to the floor for a vote. He didn't do that. Uh, he didn't use any leverage of the approaching debt ceiling to cut spending. He didn't use any leverage of the approaching uh, end of the government funding, the end of the fiscal year to cut spending. We find out now that part of the reason why he didn't keep his word, apparently, was after he was removed as speaker, he admitted that he had a deal with Nancy Pelosi that she was supposed to save him if there was ever a motion to vacate. Then we also found out after he left that the deal that he made to raise the debt ceiling that kept in place all the Biden-Pelosi-Schumer policies and spending levels, that he had an additional, what, $60 billion side deal that nobody knew about, a wink and a nod to Chuck Schumer in order to get the bad deal done that, that you know many Republicans opposed. I call it the Failed Responsibility Act. So thankfully, he's gone. Uh, Speaker Johnson uh, at least is a, a, a godly man. He loves the Lord. He's a strong Christian. He's a man of integrity. Uh, he's a genuine conservative. Uh, you know, I'm not happy with some of the things that are happening still uh, on the spending levels, but at least uh, it's an improvement over Kevin McCarthy. Well, I was, that, that was my next question. You read my mind, and that is the current speaker. And uh, he, he faced much criticism for the, uh, the, uh, the, the deal to uh, temporarily keep the government open. And right now, you know, he, I've heard him say uh, that and gave me the impression, Congressman, that we need H.R. Uh, uh, 2, which was the, uh, the, the bill passed in January of last year on immigration by the Republicans in the, in the House, uh, laying out all kinds of things. Things that uh, you know to secure our border, um, and yet there's this uh, negotiation going on now. And if you, although nobody supposedly has read the bill in the Senate that they're talking about in the Senate, um, it certainly doesn't appear that it's going to mimic HR two. Uh, do you fear that um, that uh, Speaker Johnson will nonetheless acquiesce and urge? passage of a quote-unquote compromise um, to, you know, in order to uh, get that bill passed so that they could get the aid to Ukraine and the aid to, to Israel as well? Well, I do have some concerns. Uh, Speaker Johnson has said that border security is the hill to die on. That's the fight that we're willing to have. We haven't really had a fight yet. We haven't really shown a fighting spirit. Uh, however, H.R. 2, uh, as you noted, is the policy bill that was passed out of the House last summer. It codifies into law the great policies that were working under President Trump. So they're not just executive action, uh, but they're actually written into law by Congress if it can get signed to law. And then a former, future president couldn't change it so easily as President Biden did. Uh, we, that needs to be the starting and ending position of the House because it's all needed. Uh, and we shouldn't accept any kind of a watered down, weak, pretend border security bill negotiated between Mayorkas and Langford that would frankly be worse than doing nothing. 
because uh, what has been reported, like you said, we don't have actual text yet, is that it'll allow 5,000 illegals a day. Remember, it was Jay Johnson, Obama's uh, DHS secretary, who said 1,000 a day would be an unmitigated disaster. And this would allow 5,000 a day before they even tried to prevent any others. It would still allow unlimited parole. It would give work visas to those who are here illegally. And, and worse, in addition to not securing the border and not ending the crisis, it would give political cover to the very people who are facilitating the crisis. Why would we give Biden an, a political win to make it look like he did something or Schumer or Democrats in general uh, and, and do nothing actually to protect the American people? Yeah, no, um, I, I, I'm hoping he sticks to his guns and meant what he said. But um, I, I sense a little I sense a little wavering. Let me ask you this. We're talking to um, Congressman Bob Good, chairman of the House Freedom Caucus here on the Steve Malzberg show. Um, the, the revelations uh, that, that just came out about the January 6th committee, I touched on them before with former Congresswoman Nan Hayworth. Um, but you're there in the uh, in the belly of the beast, certainly, and, and know a lot more than than I do. Um, the 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 fact that they um, got rid of um, information, testimony, evidence that that could have uh, put a different light on January 6th might even have gone to the uh, uh, the the, the, um, the charges against Donald Trump. It would might have uh, acquitted him of, of many of the uh, doubts and charges that have been leveled against him regarding that day. Um, if in fact, if in fact the Democrats on that committee and you know, and, and Liz Cheney uh, and, and the and the other fake uh, fake Republican, if they actually or someone on that committee actually got rid of that and has a key, it's encrypted. Um, I, I, what do you plan to do? Or I'm not putting the onus on you, but what is there to do to get to the bottom of this, find out what th that evidence is and eventually hold somebody responsible for trying to eradicate it? Yes, uh, I agree. We need to pursue that and wherever it takes us. This was a sham commission, as we know from the start. You know, when before has the uh, majority committee selected the members of the minority committee? It certainly was not bipartisan. It was not a true investigation. It was a conclusion or a conviction in search of crimes, if you will. Uh, it, it was, you know, they, Nancy Pelosi excluded herself. She was off limits that she couldn't be part of the investigation. And then, as you noted, to most recently learned that they actually destroyed documents. They didn't keep documents. And my hope would be that once we get control of this administration, hopefully in January, obviously, that we will we will pursue whatever criminality uh, should be pursued by this administration. And for that matter, members of Congress that will hold them accountable. Uh, perhaps there needs to be uh, censorship or, or expulsion if members of Congress, uh, you know, violated the, uh, the, the their, their their duties or responsibilities as members of Congress as it relates to this commission. Certainly to preserve records so that those who succeeded them. Uh, could to look into the work that they did and the evidence that was uncovered. How about possibly, and again, we don't know, but possibly treason to some extent? Well, I, I think, again, we, it needs to be looked into. It needs to take, we need to follow the truth wherever it may lead us and hold those accountable, as you noted. I got one more for you, and this uh, th this really uh, made me really ill when I heard it. This is John Kirby on Good Morning America on this past uh, Sunday morning, and he was talking about over the weekend, uh, many of our troops were injured uh, in Iraq at an Air Force base uh, because Iranian proxies um, bombed or s shot missiles at that Air Force base. And I just want you to hear how he describes um, what happened to our soldiers. And uh, this is... Uh, uh, cut to 272. What can you tell us about potential injuries to American troops in Iraq and how will the U.S. respond to this latest attack? 
Well, as we understand at this early hour on Sunday morning, it's only a very small number of uh, U.S. troops that were affected. Uh, they're being seen for traumatic brain injuries uh, with uh, some symptoms of concussions, but no serious uh, physical injuries other than that. Not that that's not serious enough. Of course it is. Uh, but uh, we understand it's a small number and, and it's limited to uh, traumatic brain injuries. Obviously, we're going to do what we have to do to protect them. I mean, these attacks have to stop. Uh, and we've made that very clear. We're going to continue to, to take uh, the kind of actions we need uh, to better defend ourselves. I would note that uh, one reason why uh, th there weren't uh, more injuries or more extensive damage was because uh, we we have taken necessary force protection precautions in the region to try to to try to prepare for these kinds of attacks. So he poo-poos the number of troops. He poo-poos traumatic brain injury. He then corrects himself, realizing what he did. And then he brags about it could have been a lot worse, but we have taken precautions when, in my view, we really haven't done anything in response to these constant attacks on our troops who are constantly getting hurt one way or another. Please give me, I don't want to put words in your mouth, just give me your take on, on not only what he said, but how we're allowing the Houthis and everybody else to just keep firing at us and we're not doing anything about it. That's right. One of the many crises this president has created, he's been really good at creating crises, but is the depletion, the diminishment of our military, the weakening of our military, the loss of respect for the United States on the world stage. As we know, President Trump was the only president in decades who didn't get us into an additional foreign conflict. New, uh, Northern, North Korea was under control. Iran, we had a maximum pressure campaign against Iran. Uh, this administration has relaxed that. They won't confront or hold a, uh, Iran accountable. They're desperate for a deal with Iran. You know, China, This uh, President Trump confronted them as an adversary. Biden changes that to a competitive partner. Uh, you've got Russia, who's invaded Ukraine. Obviously, they didn't do that uh, during President Trump. There was relative peace in the Middle East, historic peace in the Middle East because of this president. And now, and then you have the debacle, the failure in Afghanistan, which obviously empowered or emboldened, I should say, our enemies. And we can't even stop the Houthis. We can't even stop them. They don't even fear us. They don't even respect us. Uh, great harm has been done to the U.S. A great harm has been done to our national security. Then, of course, you got the border invasion as well. Uh, this president does, has done irreparable harm to the country. He, he doesn't care about the safety and security of Americans. And uh, we, we can't even, we, we can't even uh, get the Houthis uh, to be afraid of us. Someone described, uh, a former military man described the Houthis to me as like a motorcycle gang. And it's, it's so frustrating that, you know, they're on this plateau now because we're not responding to them. It's really frustrating. Congressman, uh, thank you so much. I hope you'll come back and uh, stay strong and, and keep fighting the good fight, sir. Thank you, Steve. Great to be with you. God bless you, my friend. Thank you. Congressman Bob Good, ladies and gentlemen, the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus. Okay, we have one final segment left in the hour. We're going to take a break and come right back. Steve Malsberg, right here on TNT. Our beautiful world is changing, withering, dying by the hands of those who don't value nature, even though we all depend on it for life itself. But there is hope. Together with caring friends, the Nature Conservancy can restore our lands, heal our waters, and save our wildlife with big solutions only nature can provide. But every day we lose more of the places we love, and we urgently need to save endangered lands, waters, and wild species. The actions we take today will determine the tomorrow we leave to our children and grandchildren. The water they drink, 
the air they breathe, the beauty they experience. To learn more about how you can help protect and conserve our beautiful world, visit nature.org today. I'm Sandra, this is Jorge, and we were adopted in 2019. I remember when they first came to us, Michael was already a teenager. The whole cliche of they're so lucky to have you guys and it's no. the other way around. They have changed our family for the better. They chose to love us. They didn't have to. They chose us. Family. Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. You're with Steve Malsberg on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, folks, welcome back. It was, uh, it was really great to have uh, Bob Good on. I was going to say it was really good, but then it would be repetitive, would it not? Um, and, and to uh, my friend, uh, uh, Congresswoman Nan Hayworth as well. Um, tomorrow, and I've, I know I said this a couple of times last week, but, you know, things happen and Congress people are busy people. And, uh, but tomorrow we do hope to have uh, Congresswoman Sparts on from Indiana, uh, and she'll give us her input to a whole bunch of uh, issues as well. But um, just think of all we talked about I mean, for in, in about 10 minutes. You know, the, 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 the border, um, the, what's, what's happening with the Houthis and with our troops under attack and no response, as I said, at the border, uh, all, the, all the other, the January 6th committee, we now, now have to really look into this and see if they withheld evidence that could have exonerated President Trump, um, from, you know, and, and the whole thing would have been moot except that for the evidence that they uh, they didn't want us to see. I mean, issue after issue after issue, Kevin McCarthy mouthing off about the Freedom Caucus, of which uh, Congressman Good is the chairman. Yeah, I mean, just, just so much out there. We, you could talk for hours about what's going on, hours and hours. And, uh, you know, I have a, I have a story that, that I'm going to do uh, tomorrow, uh, he said, as he uh, – as he tries to uh, get it real quick. And, and this one, when I read this, just like so many others, so many others, um, at a Wisconsin law school, freshmen at a Wisconsin law school are taught that there are no exceptional white people and that you have to see race, much like the new coach of the New England Patriots said, and I alluded to that with Horace Cooper on Monday when he was my guest, you have to see race or you'll never be able to see racism. No exceptional white people. There are none. That's what first term law students are learning in Wisconsin at a school in Wisconsin. And again, this is a story. If you think it's limited to a school in Wisconsin, Forget about it. Or as they say in Brooklyn, forget about it. <laughs> I'm from Brooklyn. I could do that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, folks, this country, excuse me, this country is, is losing its collective mind. The left is running wild, rampant. Why do you think there's the anti-Semitism on campus? 
Why do you think there's the racism all over the place? What not? I'm, I'm no. I, when I say racism, I'm talking about separate graduations for blacks from whites, separate living quarters off campus for blacks from whites. Learning that that you know the, 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 that whites there are no exceptional white people. All whites are racist. All white children should feel guilty. This is insanity. This is the antithesis of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Yet they talk about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on one side of their mouth, and they plug things like this from the other side of their mouth. They're good. They're good. And you know what? They're getting it done. They're getting it done. They're corrupting our future, the people who will run this society, doctors, lawyers, you name it. They're being indoctrinated with racist hate under the guise of diversity, equity, inclusion, my butt. And people are afraid to speak up and they better start speaking up. We need a president who will put an end to this garbage, a Congress that will put an end to this garbage, or we're done. This country is over, over. And I mean that sincerely. All right, let's go back to yesterday. I want to get Nikki Haley in here. We heard from Donald Trump. Here's Nikki Haley right after the polls close, 304. I want to congratulate Donald Trump on his victory tonight. He earned it, and I want to acknowledge that. Now, you've all heard the chatter among the political class. They're falling all over themselves saying this race is over. Well, I have news for all of them. New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. Her sweet state, her sweet state of South Carolina, where she's behind in the polls, not by 50 percent, as Trump alluded to last night, but it'll be an embarrassment for her. It'll be an embarrassment. Tim Scott, senator from South Carolina, who she, if it weren't for, for her, Tim Scott might not be senator, and he's supporting Trump. It's going to be an embarrassment. DeSantis was ahead of her, I believe, in South Carolina. I don't, I'm not, to be honest with you, I'm not exactly sure why, except that a lot of her policies don't fly anymore in South Carolina. A lot of her foreign policy, like aid to Ukraine, et cetera, those kinds of things. People in South Carolina don't buy into that. So this is going to be very tough on her. And by the way, she's wearing that dress that Trump said was a, uh, uh, didn't say expensive, whatever he said, uh, but implied that it wasn't expensive. Here's the next cut. Here's cut 305. At one point in this campaign, there were 14 of us running, and we were at 2% in the polls. Well, I'm a fighter. Yeah. And I'm scrappy. 
And now we're the last one standing next to Donald Trump. And today we got close to half of the vote. We still have a ways to go, but we keep moving up. All right, she didn't get close to half of the vote. I mean, let the, she lost by 11 percentage points, okay? 11 percentage points. So what, he had 50, I'm just thinking on top of my head, I don't have it in front of me. So what, he get 55, she got 45, that's 10, that's, uh, that's about it. So a little bit about 50, 56 to 45, or that can't even be. 56 to 44, who the heck knows? Something like that, 56 to 44 or thereabouts. Saying I got close, to the, I got close to half the vote when you got in the mid to low 40s, when there were only two people in there, isn't that isn't that good of a thing? Losing 70 percent of Republicans who voted in a Republican primary isn't that good of a thing. Finishing third in the Iowa caucuses wasn't that good of a thing. Trailing in your own home state for the next primary. Everybody, isn't that good of a thing? <laughs> I mean, you know, what do you, what, 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 what is she trying? I want to get one more in here. Here's 306. With Donald Trump, Republicans have lost almost every competitive election. We lost the Senate. We lost the House. We lost the White House. We lost in 2018. We lost in 2020. And we lost in 2022. The worst kept secret in politics is how badly the Democrats want to run against Donald Trump. Trump's a loser. He's a loser. They know Trump is the only Republican in the country who Joe Biden can defeat. You can't fix you can't fix the mess if you don't win an election. A Trump nomination is a Biden win and a Kamala Harris presidency. Yeah, that, that shakes people up when you say a Kamala Harris presidency. That's for sure. She then went on to uh, talk about how he called her Nancy Pelosi and, you know, by mistake and all that and questioned his cognitive ability. Uh, you know, that to me, that's ridiculous. That's just uh, playing right into the hands of the, the Democrats. Um, it's true. It's true. You can't fix things if you don't win an election. But Nikki Haley, you haven't won any of the two elections. Fact. You're not going to win the next election. Fact. So you're going to be 0 for 3 going to Super Tuesday. And, you know, stay in if you want. Stay in at your own peril, as they say. Folks, Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, tomorrow, God willing, we'll do it again. As I said, Congresswoman Sparks will be here, Victoria Sparks from Indiana. Uh, tell your friends, tell your enemies. 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here, tomorrow, on TNT.